I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. This week, my guest is Sinead Boval, a professional fashion model turned MBA grad who is now a futurist, speaker, youth tech leader, and the founder of Way, a platform that aims to bridge the gap between young entrepreneurs and the digital future. Sinead has spoken on this topic at the UN, the US Chamber of Commerce on Technology and the Future, and she's guest lectured at pretty impressive establishments, including Cornell University, on topics ranging from entrepreneurship to the future of work. Sinead is Canadian, so I had to call that out, but she now calls New York City home. Before we get to our conversation, I want to thank our sponsors. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. TD helps women entrepreneurs achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help. So Sinead, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thank you so much for joining me on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this conversation. So I'm going to start by asking what um, I ask all my guests uh, on the interview. And going back to when you were a little girl uh, growing up, did you, what kind of career were you imagining for yourself? And did you have any idea you'd be doing what you're actually doing now? Yes. So the short answer is absolutely no idea. I could never have imagined Um, the types of careers I did see for myself or the different futures I I imagined uh, included everything from medicine to becoming a vet uh, or to opening my own business. But they were very much examples of jobs that already existed. Mm -hmm. So nothing was something that I had imagined from scratch or something that was simply unique to me and who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I was excited by all of those different possibilities, uh, but they are not at all what I ended up doing today. (laughs) And that's, it's always more fun that way. Um, tell me about role models. And I'm, I'm curious to know if, and, and you just mentioned kind of the, you know, the professions, the careers you were imagining for yourself um, and were you, you know, was it, were there women around you doing interesting things that were kind of a, an inspiration or uh, that were giving you ideas for what was possible or was it were your role models at that time maybe maybe men or just a different category of, of personalities altogether? Yeah, well, I think role models, it's a very interesting question. I would say I'm very much inspired by the women in my life, so my mom and my two sisters, mm-hmm. uh, who have a completely different path and lifestyle than I do, uh, but more so extracting their values, their work ethic, their determination and resilience through adversity. So that was a guiding light in terms of my work ethic and continuing to get through challenges or if something was challenging to not just turn away from it. Uh, So I would say that those were certainly my immediate mentors, um, but they wouldn't necessarily have had experience in in changing careers and things the way I did. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents being uh, biracial marriage at the time that they were in England in the 70s, um, little things like that, I think, played a role in me choosing an unconventional path and knowing that you can do things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those were kind of subtle um, lifestyle changes that I think influenced me. But for the most part, I wasn't necessarily looking up to somebody in a career path I aspired to be in. I more so thought, okay, this you know, hard work can get you in these types of places and was aiming my trajectory that way. 
And I know that you chose finance and business as uh, your your field of studies, um, which you know typically are, are still uh, kind of more male dominated than women. So tell me about that experience. And and at that point, did it still feel like that was the the right path for you? Did it feel like you were doing what you know what was intended for you on your journey? Yes, I know. I knew that business, something in the field of business was where I belonged. Uh, I still didn't have the ability to you know, envision something outside of what existed. Mm-hmm. I was certainly usually one of maybe two or three females in the finance classes. Right. Um, I did really like analytics and problem solving. And so that's why I took chemistry as well. But mm-hmm. I was quite familiar with being the only female in the room. Um, and the types of jokes that would happen. And and that was something that I became accustomed to, um, but didn't let it get in the way of any of the goals that I had for myself. In terms of did that business felt right, but the specific internships, for example, uh, weren't a fit when I was in university, the actual application of finance wasn't necessarily a fit. And I knew I wasn't necessarily inspired by those specific activities, but I couldn't figure out why or mm-hmm. how to find something different. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain shift that, and I've, I've listened to, I've listened to you speak and, and, you know, about your journey overall. So uh, there was, there was kind of that pivot at one point where you realized um, that that intended trajectory wasn't meeting all of your, all of your expectations and that you were being called to do something completely different. So I'm curious to know about that moment when things changed for you and when you came to that realization. Yes. So I would say that, so the internships in university not being a fit, I did make a change because of that. And I went into sales and strategy, still didn't feel right. And, but my viewpoint of why it wasn't right was because I felt perhaps I'm just not high up enough in these companies to really feel like I can make an impact and have autonomy and you know strategic insight and all of that. So that was what was a little bit wrong. So I went back to get an MBA, um, assuming that if you're just higher up, it will probably feel a bit more empowering and a bit more inspiring. Uh, but you know, moving, doing the MBA, realigning my vision with becoming a consultant, and that's still not feel, feeling right. I realize it doesn't matter how high up you are in a lane that you aren't inspired by, it will never feel right. Mm. And you know, a lot of us approach relationships that way. You don't settle. If something's off, you dig into it, but we don't necessarily approach our careers that way. But it became very overwhelming for me trying all of these different routes and none of them being a fit. And I realized, you know, maybe I've never defined success for myself. And Mm -hmm. so I keep changing paths and doing different things, but it's not, those aren't going to be an option because I have to create whatever it is that I want to do myself. It doesn't exist. And trial and error has showed me time and time again, it's time to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so simultaneously, while all of those anxiety stricken nights were happening, I was scouted by a modeling agency. And so at this point in time, I had signed you know, the signing bonus with my firm. And I was actually on my first magazine cover for my MBA class for the job that I got and all of that. So there was a oh, lot wow. of pressure. <laughs> And I had this kind of secret opportunity and I really had never considered anything like that. In my house, there was no magazines at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Makeup was a a fight to be able to wear that at a certain age. We were just building that just not a fashion focused household. Right. 
but I saw this as maybe an opportunity to create the version of life I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, long story short, I ended up uh, quitting and sending back my signing bonus and moving to New York City and starting this life from scratch. I knew I would connect my business background and the technology background somehow. I didn't know how, but I knew it would be there. It'd be up to me to bet on myself. And all of those nights I spent studying and going after jobs. And now I can actually use those same tools to create something from scratch. And that was what I was betting on. Mm, wow. Um, and it's so interesting you you talk about that realization. And I think a lot of the corporate culture today in areas like, you know, finance or whatever it is, um, were, were meant to, employees are really uh, meant to believe that they'll, they'll never be good enough, right? So we're always waiting for a more senior position or to get more experience. Or I think if you're a woman, you always feel at the start of your career, you feel like you're still too young. And when you're older, they'll take you seriously. And then as you move up, you realize it doesn't change. Uh, but it, it's really amazing that you realized it early on and really, you know, understood mm-hmm. what, what change that that was going to mean for you. So, okay, you moved to New York City. And then um, I want to talk about that, that amazingly um, uh, fascinating kind of opposite in your life, having the modeling career, and then becoming an advocate for tech and especially for young women uh, pursuing a, a future in tech. So how do the two marry and how do you, uh, and, and they, they seem to be feeding off of each other as well. So tell me about that balance in your life. Yeah. So in my old world, my corporate world and my MBA world, conversations about artificial intelligence, um, different startups that are starting to disrupt the nature of work, and then just my own personal interest in blockchain and advanced technologies, those were conversations and insights and knowledge that I was equipped with and that mm-hmm. I sought out. But when I moved to the creative world of modeling, I realized that those conversations weren't happening, but they were just as important. Artificial intelligence is going to impact 100% of jobs. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized it's not that people in in non-business or tech fields aren't curious about the future. They just were never invited to these conversations and nobody thought to bring them into the room. Technology was more so just applied to them they don't get you know a say in the creation of it and then we have all of these issues with people suddenly becoming unemployed with ai or not understanding how their data policies work and so that's where i thought maybe i can bridge that gap and maybe because i'm relatable to people in the sense that i have this creative based job i speak fashion and culture and all of that but i also happen to talk tech Um, so hopefully you feel a little bit safer in the room with me um, because I can relate to you on many levels. And so that's where the idea for Way was born. Um, you know, I started it as more or less a blog, writing about these topics. I wasn't sure if anybody would really take me seriously. Who is this person that seems to have 19 different identities? Every year of her life, you look at her, it's, she's a different person. Mm-hmm. But it it started to go viral on its own, and people really wanted to hear this type of information. And so the, the blogs turned into events. Um, and then events turned into you know, thousands of young people tuning in and wanting to be invited to conversations about their own future. Mm-hmm. They just you know, never received the invite. That's amazing. And congratulations for, for everything you've built with, with Way and, and the response and the audience that, that you've been building. Uh, that, that's really impressive. Um, when did it feel like 
and and it's interesting that you talk about you know if somebody's looking at your resume every year there's you know there was kind of a, a different profile and a different path when did it feel like way was really something that you could stick with and that it had it was serving its purpose like was there was there kind of that moment where you felt like okay this is actually going to to work and it's going to take off yep i would say after the first event that i held on blockchain um and seeing a room filled with DJs and actresses and some Wall Street bankers all under one roof. Everybody looks different. Coming to learn about, you know, this advanced technology that not a lot of people understood. And that's when I realized, you know, people are really willing to get up out of their life to attend this. It's not just a like of a post or a read of an article. People are really willing to invest in this type of learning. And that's for me. And after the event too, I just felt so energized and I was mm-hmm. like, you know, talking technology to you know, a diverse pool of people in the audience is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's amazing. And as a woman talking, talking tech, talking AI, what's the response you're getting? And, you know, we all know that tech is, is, is a predominantly male dominated industry. And, um, there's, we're seeing more women now, uh, you know, join, join the ranks of the, of the tech world, but there's still, there's still more men. And in, I, I was actually just speaking to a, another woman leading a, an AI company based in Montreal recently. And it's something she struggled with as well. She wasn't necessarily taking seriously, especially because she actually came from a different industry when she, when she first joined. I'm curious about your experience and coupling that with the fact that you're also a model, which is an unlikely fit for somebody uh, talking tech, basically. Yes, it's, it's very interesting. I noticed a huge difference. I went from introducing myself as a consultant to introducing myself as a model and immediately receiving the stereotype um, was something very interesting to witness. But yes, walking into a room to talk about artificial intelligence as a female, a female of color, and a model, also a part of the profile. I've seen mixed reviews. Sometimes people are quick to say this is so empowering. I also have this side hustle that I'm doing. or, And sometimes it's not viewed as somebody to be taken seriously. But I am very adamant about all those angles of my life being very forward-facing because the reason why we have these issues in technology is because it doesn't work for everybody because there are too many people in the room who don't look like me or who don't have my experiences. And that's exactly why we're in so many problematic uh, cases to begin with. So I continue to voice who I am and what I'm about um, and stand by all of the different ways that I identify and use it in a way as my superpower. We're not going to fix these problems if there aren't more people like me in this room. So I'm going to continue to enter them. Mm, yeah, that's that's great. Um, tell me about what you're seeing with young women and their, their interest in tech. So we know the the industry, you know, so far has been has been male dominated, and and young men are, are certainly pursuing careers in, in technology. Um, are you seeing that shift? Are women finally, you know, are young women waking up to that reality and opening up to the possibilities that a career in tech can offer? Yes, I have seen a big shift, even in just the last five years. Um, people even just discussing the need for more women in technology. Um, amongst the young women that fall away, especially Gen Z, I do see a lot more women building STEM careers. Mm-hmm. 
But I think that there is still a very big challenge on the culture side of things. I don't think there's any shortage of incredible women in AI right now conducting incredible research, but they still find it challenging uh, at some of these tech companies because it's a culture issue. Um, they're not included, and that makes it very challenging for them, and especially with the different um, life things that happen to women. If you, you know, maternity leave and things, it's not it's made to be adaptive. Um, and so I think that there's still a long way to go. Yes, numbers are improving, but there is still an absolute diversity crisis in the industry. Right. And what do you think? That's a million dollar question. But how can that how can that be fixed? What, what are some ways that we can help that shift take place? You know, knowing that there is the interest from from your women, as you're saying, but making sure that there is a spot for them and that the culture is ready to welcome them. Yep, I think mentorship plays a really strong role in this scenario because the actual material and the application of it is challenging. And because it's so challenging and because there's so few women in it, it can get you can get discouraged very easily. Right. But having a mentor, having an advocate pull you through, and it doesn't necessarily also have to just be a woman in tech mentoring a young woman in STEM. It can mm -hmm. also be a male mentoring a young woman because mm -hmm. they're opening the door and they're seeing the talent um, and breaking up how it's been this boys club. Um, so I think mentorship can be in many different um, types of pairs, but I think that that plays a really key role. I think expanding hiring pools um, outside of just the bro culture at certain universities um, it has to be intentional. And then changing the organizational culture once people arrive, I think is also very key to, to making a change. This season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs. Confidently building your business takes sound advice, plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. What's great about TD services for women in business is their collaboration-based approach. They work with both internal and external partners that can provide education, financing, mentoring, and community support. TD employees are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. They can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship. They also engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. I like to ask about um, kind of the difference between female leadership and male leadership and there's, you know, there's kind of innate you know, just attitudes and traits that, you know, men and women leaders naturally have. And, and obviously it can be some male leaders, you know, apply what would be seen as a or perceived as a, as a female leadership trait. But what do you think women leaders bring to the table um, that, you know, that is, is probably different than typical male leadership? Yeah, I think I think their critical thinking, they include m many more variables in how they solve problems based on balancing so many challenges at any given time in their life and breaking so many narratives and stereotypes at any given time. So I think that that's actually a really powerful approach to problem solving and to critical thinking. It's an expansive approach. Um, and so I think that that is really important in their decision making. And I think the more the more diverse experiences that you know exist in the world, the better equipped you are at solving problems. 
and women just by nature of what we've had to go through um, to fight to just become a little bit more equal, we still have a long way to go. You're much more aware and tuned in to different experiences. And I think that that is an absolute superpower in decision making. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're including so many different voices. Um, and so I think that that's an advantage in, in, in some of the women led countries right now. We're seeing we're seeing some of the results of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I recently spoke to um, a woman who is, uh, she's a multi-hyphenate too, she's an entrepreneur, she leads a not-for-profit. She was uh, Tunisia's first uh, minister of tourism after the Arab Spring, so uh, in Tunisia's first democratic uh, elections. And she she made a pretty bold statement saying that she realized when she started her career in politics that it was impossible as a woman to be powerful and to be liked. Do you feel that is true, or maybe it's partially true? But do you do you feel there is uh, does does that reflect your reality uh, as well with the experience you've had until now? I think that there are certainly examples of me exerting decision power or autonomy that have been met with resistance. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes from male colleagues or even in a way audience of something that I've brought together and it's, you know, my own event and I've seen pushback. I don't think that they are mutually exclusive. I don't think if you're powerful, you're automatically not going to be liked. I also don't think that the onus is on women to make that change. Mm-hmm. Um, the onus is on others, you know, pushing up the resistance. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that experience will be inevitable Um, but I do think it's in progress of changing. Um, but we, it, it, I would certainly relate to some of those experiences for sure. Mm -hmm. What would be your advice? So I think, um, uh, kind of, kind of based on, on, on what you just shared, what, how do you deal with that kind of pushback? You know, if you're, if you're getting criticized or if you're, your expertise is challenged because somebody will say, well, what do you know? You're a young woman. How are you teaching us anything about tech or your model? What, what do you know about the tech world? And I ask that in, you know, to, to share advice with, with our listeners, because I know a lot of women, we all face that in our, in our day-to-day life. If we're, if we are in a position as a, as a thought leader for ask for our expertise or, or, or testimonial on a certain topic, there's always going to be, kind of naysayers and, and, you know, critical individuals around us. So how do you typically deal with that kind of criticism or pushback? Yes. And the unfortunate reality is for many women, we have to over-prepare, um, over-deliver to be considered on par, Mm -hmm. but, and that is something that needs to change. But because of that, I know when I walk into the room, how much I've prepared for that conversation and that I am well equipped to be delivering the messages um, that I'm there to deliver. Mm-hmm. So I use that as my internal fire. Um, there's certain times I'm able to just, you know, brush it off and move past it. Right. Um, sometimes I address it, but I always address it um, in a way that I could in five years still be proud of how I approach that mm-hmm. um, and how I responded to that situation. So I kind of have my, clear glass toolkit of ways to respond if I think things um, are being delivered with sexism. Mm -hmm. But I also know that I am incredibly knowledgeable in what it is that I'm talking about. 
Um, and statistically speaking, I have probably overprepared mm-hmm. um, more than you know any other potential male counterpart in that room. So therefore, that is my evidence that I am more than qualified to be in that room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I love that approach. Um, given that we are entering a new year um, and 2020 has certainly been uh, full of, of challenges and, and obstacles for for many for many different reasons, but full of learnings and growth opportunities as well. What is your wish for the world in 2021? My wish for the world in 2021. I think the quietness that has the pandemic has brought, it is very hard to ignore the misallocation of resources, the many different divides globally. It's very hard to ignore that when you go through something as a globe and you're able to conquer it with the resources that are available. So therefore, we have enough brain power, we have enough food, we have incredible supply chains, we have enough scientists to solve many of the challenges that people face in the world. Mm -hmm. So I hope we tune into that um, and we start just living kind of unconsciously to all of the challenges and very immoral ways of life, whether that's climate change, whether it's people that are still hungry, whether it's inequalities in race and gender. Uh, We are well equipped to solve these problems. We proved it this year. We got a vaccine within eight months of a deadly pandemic. That is absolutely unheard of. Mm. Um, So we are more than equipped to solve any problem. Mm. So I really hope we take that learning and go do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's an important message. And we have we have to remain optimistic, right? Because there there is kind of that that positive side to it. And you just brought up the the accelerated uh, uh, vaccine uh, uh, production. So that's a great point. Um, what is one thing that you want to do more of in your life? And maybe it's something as a result of, of you know, what we've experienced and, and gone through in 2020, um, maybe a lesson you've learned or something that you are trying to uh, put into, into action in your own life. Yes, I think... Um... One thing that's, and it's very small, but it's actually made a a big difference for me is reflections on each month. So I think because there's so much going on, but then there's also so much silence, it can be difficult for anyone to evaluate your personal progress, your career progress, because everything seems so up in arms. So something that's been helpful for me is at the end of each month, um, reflecting on some of the things that I liked about myself or about an achievement or an accomplishment or a progression um, and just kind of flipping through that. And I think that that has actually been very productive. Um, And even, you know, a trajectory doesn't necessarily have to be vertical. It can still be horizontal, but as long as you're learning and um, going after your goals. And so that's been something that I think has really helped me that I would like to continue to do more of Mm -hmm. uh, next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And what would be your your tips, your your advice to a young woman who is considering um, a future in tech? Um, you know, where where should she should she start? What are things that you'd recommend? Um, what would be what would be just your overall advice for for these young women? Yes, I would say um, there's more than there are so many incredible women in tech, women in science. Um, making groundbreaking changes. 
Uh, so even just Googling, you know, women in tech changing the world or you know, women in science changing the world and actively following those people on social media um, or whatever platforms you tune into. So you get a daily reminder of people who are in the lanes that you're aspiring to be a part of, um, who are doing it and who are kicking down the doors and who are making change and contribution. Um, so that would be my, my first step. Um, the second would be to lean into your curiosities mm -hmm. about the problems that you want to solve and let that be a guiding light in terms of which way you go directionally and, and what skills you're building and why. Um, I think a lot of times growing up, you don't necessarily know exactly what it is you're passionate about or what it is that you're supposed to do. Um, and that is more than normal. So just lean into the things that you're, that you're curious about. Mm -hmm. you know, what are the conversations you have with your friends um, that you can't stop talking about? That's probably your inner passion. Um, and if it's tech related, continue to, to lean into that curiosity and think about the problems you want to solve in the world and how tech could maybe bridge that gap. Um, but for me, I think following people um, and seeing examples of inspiring women in your field and in your lane, I think, is my number one advice to, to young mm -hmm. girls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is so important. And that's why role models, women role models are are, are important because they, they set the example and, and, and inspire, a, inspire a journey. Um, mm -hmm. Going to the more personal side. So you are, you're a multi-hyphenate, busy, busy life. You know, you have your, your own startup with, with way and, and a modeling career and everything else that you're, that you're doing. And we've had a crazy year. Um, how is one way you stay grounded? And you, you've talked a little bit about, um, you know, kind of the, the practices you've been, uh, you've been uh, uh, implementing, but what's one thing that when it feels too chaotic that, you know, brings you back to your center and to yourself? Mm -hmm. um, for me, physical exercise has been a very, it's a very powerful tool for me to kind of lower my energy. If I feel like I'm unproductively worrying about something or trying to solve something, I need to step away from it. Um, and I find I actually get some of my best brainstorming done in the middle of a workout. Suddenly an idea will come to me and I don't know what that is. I'm sure that there's a scientific reason for that. Um, so that's something that I really enjoy. Um, I've also made, so I make a list of things that I always feel good after I do them. So to always make time for them and I still feel somewhat productive while doing them. So listening to tech or industry related podcasts, mm -hmm. um, continuing to read, subscribe to newsletters, um, or different journals that are industry related for me that are relevant um, and a book that's industry specific. And so if I find, okay, I need to step away from my work, but I still want to be learning, um, doing those activities to me, I've, I've made it a priority to know these are feel good activities. They don't exert too much stress and you're also learning. Mm. Um, so make time for that. And that's actually what I've decided for the next kind of 10 days. I'm taking it a little bit easier um, I don't think I've taken a vacation in probably three years, but, <laughs> but in terms of the next 10 days to just relax a little bit more and my days will be filled with podcasts, reading, um, and some of the subscriptions that I've tuned into and learning through different great articles people post on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that I find always makes me feel a little bit energized mm -hmm. and more relaxed. You mentioned books. So I'm curious to know what's on your reading list for the, the next 10 days um, and maybe your kind of your highlight uh, in terms of books, uh, something you've read in, in, in 2020. Yes. Okay. So, well, what's on my reading list for these next two weeks would be 
quantum physics, quantum computing. <laughs> oh, goodness, that's very soon. And um, one, a book called Hacking Darwin. So as we move yeah. into um, genetic engineering and all of that, um, I think equipping myself with all of the different changes that are happening and perspectives and philosophies. So that's my personal three that I'm you know, reading the next couple of days, but our next couple of weeks, but books that I recommend over 2020, um, anything Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. um, is great. Strangers Talking, I think is an incredibly relevant book, especially for right now, the examples um, that he uses about race and profiling and, um, and mental health. He goes through so many relevant topics. So I would highly recommend that book. Um, Barack Obama's latest book is on my list. I haven't yet yeah. read it, but it is on my to read list. Um, what other books did I really enjoy? Um, I, of course, loved Michelle Obama's Becoming. I read that twice. I like Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Um, AI Superpowers, if you want something um, AI related, I would highly recommend that book, AI Superpowers. Okay. Um, yeah, those would be my recommendations. Amazing. Adding AI Superpowers to my own list for now mm-hmm. for, for the holidays. Um, <laughs> And in closing, I'm going to ask you my favorite question to ask all the guests on the show. And it is, what do you wish women would do more of? Get inspired by their 10-year vision. Mm. I think so often we look at the next year or the next decision to change jobs or to go after promotion as the be-all, end-all. And you just leave in a flurry of anxiety because it's really hard to know it's really, it's the next step is usually not the the final thing. It's usually not going to be the thing that makes you feel absolutely fulfilled and um, completely on the right path. But if you step away from that and, and focus on the 10 year you, who are you trying to become in 10 years? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Everything from the, you know, going forward is just a directional step towards that. So it's okay if it doesn't feel like this is the be all end all, if you don't feel satisfied fully with the job um, or whatever it is that you're going through in life, focus on the 10 year you and it takes a lot of pressure off um, and you actually become inspired about you know, who you're becoming. I love that answer. And it's the, I think it's the first time that someone has, has given that answer. And it's so, it's, it's so true because we, we spend so much time worrying about that little, well, sometimes it's a big decision, but a decision that's right in front of us, right? The job change, the move, whatever it is, or a money, a money thing. And it's, we, we lose perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that advice. That's so, that's so good. I'm, I'm going I, I to, I need to put that into, into play myself. Um, oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Anad. Uh, best of luck with you. Don't need luck, but um, wishing you uh, wishing you great success with way moving forward. Excited to see all the all the new projects stemming from from there. And thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a great conversation. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you did, as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review wherever that's possible. Thank you to TD Bank Group, Women Entrepreneurs, for their support of The Brennies Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrenniesfemale.com slash podcast and click on the TD logo. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a week with a new guest. Yeah.